Homecoming Horde by Robert Silverberg. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman. Haverford knew from his radio contacts he was the last man alive on earth. His death was certain, for the enemy numbered trillions. A Homecoming Horde by Robert Silverberg. The room was sealed as tightly as possible. Haverford had checked it for cracks, made sure the windows were caulked, and now kept constant guard. He was alone. He could never tell when the alien invaders would break through. I must be nearly the last, he thought. It was strange, this feeling of being alone on Earth but it was probably true. The aliens had come six days before. Haverford remembered picking up their ultimatum on his ham-set. Earthman, the Lanthai are coming. Beware! That was all it had been, an ominous warning, rather than a threat or an order. The way the message had been worded left little doubt that they were conquerors, conquerors from space. Haverford had been amused at first. A solitary recluse, he had little dealings with his fellow men, at least not in person. The costly ham-set that occupied nearly a third of his one-room flat was his sole contact. Through the radio he kept in regular touch with friends in Yokohama and Buenos Aires, Texas and Oregon while leaving the confines of his own room in increasingly rare intervals. He had naturally picked up the Lanthihi message on his set. There wasn't an amateur operator in the world that hadn't detected them. That was when he began to feel it was a joke. Reports came in. Dazo Osaka, the Japanese contact, reported hearing the strange message. Lionel Bentham in Sussex picked it up also, as did Miguel Bartoroni in Buenos Aires. Earthmen, the Lanthai are coming. Beware! Someone, there was no doubt of it, was beaming the message at the entire earth from outside. And then the Lanthai had come. Haverford paced his room nervously, remembered the day of their landing. He had been talking to Bentham, the Englishman, a slow-speaking, phlegmatic sort. So I mean to write to my man in Parliament, you know, and ask him to plump for legislation. It'll be a great boon for ham operators if... Lord! What's that? What's that? Haverford had stared at the transmitter in shocked surprise, as Bentham's voice was replaced with the screeching of static, then some other sound he did not understand, followed by a quick, sharp, repulsive click, and silence. Bentham! Bentham! Silence. That had been the beginning. The Lanthai had landed all right. The alien invaders were sweeping the world. Haverford got the details from the news broadcast. They had come in silvery ships, hundreds of them, thousands. 
You should have seen it, Bartaroni told him, speaking in his accented English. All over Buenos Aires, in midday. Suddenly, the sky was blotted out. Ships, silvery ships. They were small. They started to land. Have you seen the invaders yourself? No, not yet. They haven't come this far west in the city yet, but... The Argentinian's voice stopped. Haverford listened numbly, knowing, despite himself, exactly what had happened. The invaders had come. He rose, looked around his room. He had enough food in the freezer, and on the shelves, to last for months. Haverford was a frugal man. By buying in quantity, he saved precious cash that was used for augmenting the radio set. He decided to hide in his home to seal it from the outside world, to wait. Perhaps the invaders would be driven back. Perhaps Earth would fall. But he would be safe. He would not be killed in the war of conquest. He made sure there was no way his room could be entered. Just as he was about to nail fast the bolt that held the door shut, he heard knocking three sharp knocks haverford leapt to the bolt drove it home hung tensely against the door who is it he asked mrs kelly came the reply he almost fainted from relief he had expected the aliens and it was only the landlady cautiously he threw open the door yes have you heard mr haverford about the invasion i mean yes i've heard what of it i just thought i'd tell you she said shrugging i know you don't come out much or read the papers and i thought maybe i've heard over the radio he told her stiffly is there anything else i can do for you no not at all very well then if anyone comes to see me you can tell them I'm not looking for visitors. Yes, Mr. Haverford. She disappeared into the darkness of the corridor. Haverford slammed the door, shot the bolt home, nailed it fast. So far as the outside world was concerned, he was as good as dead. He set to work sealing himself in. Two days passed. Two days in which, gradually, one by one, his contacts here and there over the globe were silenced. Bentham had gone first, then Bertaroni. His two Japanese friends were gone now, too. The Orient was overrun by the invaders. South America as well. Word was coming from the States of alien advances. New York was in Lanthahi hands, and no broadcasts were being made from there. The United Nations delegates had fled to an unnamed city and were continuing to talk, to discuss the situation, no doubt, Haverford thought bitterly. But talk would do no good. Soon the entire world would be in alien hands, and there would be no stopping them, none at all. Texas went. Oregon. The aliens were obviously working their way toward the center of North America. So far, Chicago had reported no alien attacks, 
but the United States forces in the seacoast states had been driven back. Haverford ate his frozen food sparingly, and spent long hours at the radio. One by one his contacts were snuffed out. He ran down the list in his codebook, calling people he hadn't buzzed for years, just trying to hear human voices again. Come in, W3XFA. Come in, W3XFA. No answer. None at all. The aliens held all of Asia, most of Europe. He got a brief response from Belgium on the third day, but was unable to pick up the signal an hour later. An underground worker in an Iron Curtain country called him that afternoon, and then he went. The marauders from space covered the globe. Haverford looked at his map. They were working in an ever-tightening ring. Soon they would be in Chicago. Then the strength of his improvised fortress would be sorely tested. By the fourth day he was down to just one contact, a man in Upper Illinois, a ham operator out of a Chicago suburb. You there, Haverford? I'm here. What do you hear? Nothing. The aliens are everywhere. I can see them from my window, swarming in the streets. They've won, all right. Mankind is defeated. You can see them, eh? Must be a ghastly sight. Haverford's own window faced the back. It is. There must be a million of the ugly beasts, and not a human being in sight. Haverford, who ever expected it would come like this? No one did. No one ever dreamed of it. They must breed fantastically rapidly if they can send an invasion force of this size. Imagine it, Haverford. A living tide of Lanthihi spilling out from their home world, covering all of the universe. And... Yes, I hear you, Haverford said. Something outside my door. It's them, Haverford, it's them. The set went dead. Haverford stared dully at it for a moment, then turned it off. There was no one else to talk to. He was alone. He was the last survivor, unless there was someone else cowering in a skyscraper basement somewhere, hiding in a thick field of corn. But the Lanthihi were methodical killers. They had set out to exterminate the human race, and... Haverford stiffened. What was that scrabbling, scratching noise in the hall? It sounded like... He knew what it was. The Lanthihi were coming. They were wiping out the stragglers now, the few like Haverford, who had remained alive. They were wiping the earth clean of life, leaving it bare and ready for them. The scraping at the door grew louder. The bolt strained. The hinges started to give. Haverford watched coldly, knowing that he hadn't done the job well enough. They were going to be able to get through. A dark line appeared down the center of his door. It began to crack. It yielded. Haverford turned frantically to his radio set desperately sending out a call for help. But, of course, no one heard him. 
Nobody answered. He was alone, and he knew it, except for them. He wheeled to face them, to go down fighting. He looked in horror at them. Insects, huge, ugly, and alien. They came on. He backed to the wall. And in the last moment, as time seemed to stand still, he became aware of an insignificant detail, laughable, yet tragically ironic. A fly buzzed around his head. An earth fly. A pitiful creature. A nothing. An insect. The fly landed on the floor a few feet ahead of him, crawling slowly toward the alien horde, pouring through the door. And the aliens broke their ranks, passed around the fly, almost respectfully, he thought. Or was it paternally? Then they reached him. The End of Homecoming Horde by Robert Silverberg